Happy Sabbath. That was a little taste, a very little taste of family camp meeting. We just wanted to play a few minutes of it. It's actually about 30, 31 minutes, something like that. So we wanted to give you a little taste of a little taste of family camp meeting. And if you'd like to see the whole DVD presentation, then you can come back at 2.30. Now the meeting isn't scheduled in the afternoon until 3. So if you'd like to see the whole DVD and find out and hear testimonies from single, young adults, from families, the whole diversity family camp meeting is for families. And do you know that if you're single, you're a part of a family? That's right. So you'll hear some powerful testimonies. So come back if you'd like to see the rest of the DVD because we already have the schedule made at 2.30, which is a half an hour before the 3 o'clock meeting that's regularly scheduled. And you can see the whole taste of family camp meeting. So how are you doing today? I want to talk about Christian integrity today. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that we would even have to talk about integrity connecting it to Christianity. It should be automatic, right? Because what does it mean to be a Christian? Okay? To be a Christian means that we're connected to Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. It doesn't say... He who knows his Bible from cover to cover has Christ. Even though what's inside this cover is Christ, the Word. The Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. The difficulty is, and we were talking about it this morning in the Sabbath school class, is that we can have all this knowledge, we can know about Christ, but Jesus is going to say to many people, and I hope that I'm not one of them, and I hope that none here will hear these words, depart from me, I never knew you. You know, the Bible begins there in the first chapters of Genesis, and it talks about how God made Adam and Eve, and how Adam knew his wife. And that meaning is very intimate. And that intimacy that Jesus Christ wants to have with us is called, it's called becoming a partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of this world through lust. That is union with Christ. The two shall become one flesh. That is union with Jesus Christ. If we had that kind of Christianity, we wouldn't even be talking about integrity today, would we? Because the world would know that anyone who professed the name of Jesus Christ were the most honest people in the world. But you know, one of the greatest tragedies that I experience as I travel all over the world with this ministry is finding out that many of the people who have the poorest business relationships are Seventh-day Adventists. People who say, I would never work with a Seventh-day Adventist contractor. I got ripped off so bad. Isn't that sad? Today I want to talk about Christian integrity. And I want to talk about it in three areas. Now I realize that 
We're supposed to be out of here at 11 o'clock, right? It's 25 minutes to 11, and I know we're trying to be sensitive to not interfering. But if I go over a little bit, am I going to get in trouble? You can be honest with me. This is integrity. And if anyone here needs to leave because you are expecting this to be over at 11 o'clock, you have my full permission. I will not evil surmise about you if you get up and walk out. Okay? But I want to talk about integrity in three areas. First, complete transparency in our relationship to God. That's where it all begins. And if it is not happening there, it will affect the next area that I want to talk about, and that is within the marriage and within the family. So, if you're not married today, that's okay. Because we're going to talk about it in marriage, and we're going to talk about it in the context of single individuals as well. And lastly, we're going to talk about integrity as it relates to every other relationship we have in business, with our friends, with our church. Okay? Christian integrity. Today, right now, and I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands, but how honest are you really being with God? Let's go back to that name Christian again. You see, for a period of my life, more time than I would like to really admit, I did not understand what real Christianity was. I did not understand the connection between Christianity and a connection to Jesus Christ that is personal, living, vibrant. We serve a living Savior today. You believe that? I did not understand that connection. Therefore, I wasn't being a hypocrite. If you read about the five foolish and the five wise virgins, you'll find out that the five foolish virgins were not hypocrites. Isn't that interesting? They really desired to be at meetings like this. They really liked to read the Word of God. They really wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And when the bridegroom called, or when the cry went out, that behold, the bridegroom cometh, what did they want to be? They wanted to be there. They wanted to be there. They wanted to go in. There was just one problem. Why weren't they there? They suddenly realized when they woke up that they didn't have any more oil left. It was gone. And they said to the wise, please, give us some of yours. Please. I believe, brothers and sisters, that we are at that time in earth's history. I was not a hypocrite, but I was a foolish virgin. I did not have a living connection with the power of Jesus Christ. But... I was trying in every way I knew. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to do what was right. I wanted to give Bible studies. I wanted to be involved in Revelation seminars. I wanted to be there because I really believed the message. But I did not have power, living, life-changing power. Today, in this room, there are people just like I was. You may dress right. You may eat right. 
You may be giving Bible studies. You may be attending the right meetings. But you do not have a living connection with a living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope before you leave this weekend, you will have that connection. All of the miracles of the Bible point to one thing. What happens when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? We can be saved. Every blind eye that was opened, every tongue that was loosed, every cripple that was healed, all point to the maladies that we have in the Christian experience. But we must be honest with the Lord Jesus Christ. We must admit our need. We must cry out for help. He stands at the door and he knocks. The devil does anything he can to kick the door down, to jimmy the locks, to do whatever he has to do. The Lord Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And he says, if you'll open the door, I will come in. Brothers and sisters, opening the door one time at your conversion experience, opening the door one time that resulted in baptism is not enough to be saved in the kingdom of God. We must open the door to Jesus every new day. And then when the door is open, we must continue to keep the door open. Because every time that the devil sees us connected to the Lord Jesus, do you know what he tries to do? Interfere! If he can't keep us from connecting, for years he kept me from connecting and he kept me so busy so busy doing the work of God. You know what happened? I had no time for God. I was so exhausted. I had no time for God. Not time for a vital connection. Not time to be still and know that He was my God. Not time to stay long enough on my knees or long enough in His Word that I was empowered to go into a wicked world. As one gentleman said in our Sabbath school class today, into the sharks. That's what this world's like, isn't it? Into the shark-infested waters. That's what real life is here in Loma Linda, isn't it? The scary thing is, is that living in this environment, it's kind of getting used to it. When you swim with the sharks, you get used to it. When the temperature rises, you get used to it, right? You know the old boiling frog syndrome? (laughs) Water doesn't seem that hot and it just gets warmer and I get used to it and it gets worse and worse. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not here to, I don't care where, where we live. If we aren't connected, vitally connected to Jesus Christ, we will not hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. No matter how much we know, no matter how much we've done. Because you remember, when Jesus says those words, depart from me, I never knew you, what do the people say next? Hey, don't you remember me? I'm the one that cast out demons and I healed the sick. Could it be they even raised the dead? You know, one of the most astounding things to me is that Jesus gave Judas the power to raise the dead. Did you know that? He gave Judas power to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, 
to raise the dead. He didn't say, okay, I give 11 of you power. Judas, I know what's going on in your heart. You're a liar. You're a cheat. You're stealing from the money bag, so you aren't going out. I'm giving these 11 power. He gave Judas power to cast out demons. That's amazing. Because Jesus did everything he could to reach the heart of Judas. So all these things are not enough for us. Giving Bible studies will merit us nothing in the kingdom of God unless those Bible studies are given in the power and the strength of Jesus Christ. Then it becomes a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It's not just going through the motions. So are you being honest with God? I remember the first day that I was honest with God with my whole heart and I trembled. Why would I tremble? This is a God who has given Jesus Christ for me because he loves me. While I was yet a sinner, he gave Jesus for me. Why would I tremble? Why would I be on my knees trembling to open myself for the first time completely unreservedly to God? Why would I tremble? Tell me. Raise your hand. Anybody want to tell me why? Yeah, afraid. Yeah. Yeah, I was afraid. If I open myself completely to God, what is He going to tell me? If you're afraid, I want you to think about this. If you are afraid to surrender yourself 100% to God today, then you are not ready for the kingdom of God. Am I being too hard on you now? I'm only going to share with you what God is sharing with me. We're talking about integrity. There's nothing I'm afraid to open up to my God now. Do you know why? Because my God is not just a God to me. My God is my heavenly Father. And I know the love I have for my son and my daughters. I know how my heart yearns for them to be in the kingdom of God. I know what's in my heart when I reach out to them and when I do everything as a father I can do. And you know what it makes me do for my heavenly Father? It makes me love my Heavenly Father like I've never loved Him before. It's not a religious transaction for me and my Heavenly Father anymore. I am motivated by the love that my Heavenly Father has for me. Is that motivating you? If that is motivating you, then there is nothing that you would be afraid to open up in Christian integrity to your Heavenly Father. There would be nothing that you would be afraid to surrender to Him. If we are holding out on God, brothers and sisters, it's because we're afraid to trust Him completely. That means we have selective surrender. That means we have conditional surrender. Do you know what those words mean? It's like, yeah, I'm willing to give this to you, Lord. I remember when I was willing to give Him my diet. Back in those days when I didn't understand the love of my Heavenly Father, you would have been quite humored to watch me go through my cupboards. I was on a campaign for God. 
to do what was right. Now, I'm not saying that was wrong, but it was a zeal not according to right knowledge. It was a zeal to, to clean out the cupboards. It left me not in a very good situation as a bachelor. But I sure was honest. But it wasn't motivated from the right things. I heard a seminar and I got all fired up about it, but it didn't connect me with Jesus Christ. Therefore, I surrendered selectively to do this part, which is a good part. I'm a total vegetarian today and I've never been happier and I've never been healthier. But it's not because... I just heard a seminar. It's because it started working from the inside out as I surrendered myself to Jesus Christ and opened my heart to him and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? All I'm saying to you today is if you're not being honest with God, then stop holding out on him. Stop playing Christianity. Do you understand? I don't want to play games. And I don't believe you want to play games. And when I didn't understand this, it wasn't because I was playing games. It's because I didn't understand. I was doing the best I knew, but the best we have is nothing apart from Christ. You know, when Daniel fell down before the angel that was given to him to reveal what was ahead. Remember what the angel said to him? Stand up. You're beloved. Greatly beloved. Think that was encouraging to Daniel? Daniel felt undone before that angel. And yet he was greatly beloved by God. Why? Because Daniel stood alone. Virtually alone. Now he had his three Hebrew companions. But he stood virtually alone in the kingdoms of three heathen monarchs. Unheard of. How many cabinet members do you ever see go through three presidents? Heads roll. and Literally, they rolled back in the days of Daniel, didn't they? Daniel was greatly beloved because Daniel was 100% controlled by God. 100% empowered by God. 100% in love with his Father in heaven. Do you know, love to God means loving the Lord with everything in our soul. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, it says one place, and with all our might, it says another place. How much more is there? Everything. And if we are not in that position, when will we become willing to be in that position? When? Now is the time. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is not the day to pat ourselves on the back and reminisce about all the good things we've done or all the good things we know. Today is the day to ask the question, am I 100% surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ? And if I am not, am I willing to be by faith? Because if we are, then it will affect every other relationship that we have. And that's the second area that I want to talk about. 
The second area of integrity, Psalm 25, 21 says, Let integrity, let what? Integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Who do we wait on? What does it mean to wait on the Lord, to have our integrity and uprightness preserve us? It means that we are waiting for his bidding and all his biddings are our enablings. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter what he asks us to do. Because we are open and honest, completely open and honest to the Lord, everything he asks us to do, we will have power to do in the strength of Jesus Christ. I want to talk about Christian integrity for a few moments in the marriage relationship. Is the marriage a type of the relationship between Jesus and his church? We believe that, don't we? Okay? And it's... Is it a privilege that we can have this opportunity as a witnessing tool? Very few people realize that the marriage relationship is a witnessing tool. It's a life lesson, if you will. To have a marriage that is heart-to-heart with God and heart-to-heart with one another is a testimony to the power of God. Isn't it tragic that in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that our divorce rate rivals the divorce rate of secular society. Isn't that tragic? We should be the head, not the tail. But that doesn't mean that we can't be honest in our marriages before God. Transparent. You know, we counsel with many couples And many of the situations that we find with these couples is that there's lots of dishonesty going on in the relationship, in their marriage. The husband, for example, is watching things, doing things on the Internet. You know, lots of people are on the Internet today. I'm just curious in this group, how many people of you have been on the Internet in the last 48 hours? Raise your hands. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm not picking on the Internet. The Internet just happens to be one of the tools that the devil is making tragic use of. So that men, not just men, but I know men who go on there, their wives think they're doing their business and doing whatever they need to do. And you know what men are doing on the Internet? They're doing things they shouldn't be doing. They're going to sites they shouldn't be looking at that are corrupting their minds and they're lying to their wives about what they're doing. Women are doing the same things. Women are watching television programs that they know they shouldn't be watching. Soap operas. I don't think anybody here would watch a soap opera, right? I won't ask you to raise your hands. But not letting their husbands know. They're not being honest because they know their husband is disgusted by the fact that things in the home aren't getting done. The children aren't being taken care of because they're watching the television. Watching things they shouldn't be. Hiding magazines that they shouldn't be reading. I'm using simple examples. Very general but very real examples. Because there is an integrity and transparency. And you know the reason why there isn't transparency between husbands and wives is the reason, the same reason there isn't transparency between an individual and God is because we're afraid 
of what the other person will do, how they will react, or what we'll have to do to change if they find out what we're doing. Christian integrity needs to be in the marriage. If it's not, where will it leave us? To become another statistic in the divorce rate? That's where it leads. Young people, you know, many of you are not married here. I'm assuming that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. <laughs> I'm assuming there's young people here that are, I know there's some young adults here that are not married. Are you really being honest in your relationship to your parents? It's a very important question. Do you know what the cutoff age is? Let me ask you, if anybody can tell me. What is the cutoff age for the fifth commandment? Honor thy father and thy mother. What's the cutoff age? Tell me. What is it? Death? Okay, that's good. That's a very succinct answer. Right to the point. Does everybody agree with that? Theoretically? Or practically? Or both? You have to believe it intellectually before it can become practical, right? You have to first see it. The mirror. Now I won't ask you how many of you are really honoring your parents in real life. They come to visit you, okay? You're 22, 23, whatever, 25. They come to visit your apartment. And you say, let's put those DVDs away. My folks are coming. Right? Why? Why put them away? Is there a conviction? I can't hear you. Is that conviction? Or just leave them out? Because if that's the choice that you want to make, then leave them out. And say, you know, this is, I think this is, this is good. It's because in your heart of hearts you know it isn't good, right? Your choices of music. Do you know how powerful music is? You know why music is so powerful? It's because the devil was the leader of the music in heaven. There was no one that was created above Lucifer. Did you know that? Gabriel took his place. Lucifer was the highest created being in the universe. And he was the leader of the music in heaven. You think he's figured out how to distort it for people down here on earth? That music that we heard coming in this morning in that group across there. That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Because what they don't realize is the music that they're playing is worship to the, the master that they're serving. And they think that they're serving Jesus. But you know, we're told very clearly that Jesus moved from the holy place into the most holy place. And when that vacancy was made there in the holy place, the devil, the other master, said, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to slip into this position because a lot of the people don't know that Jesus moved because they're not moving where Jesus moves. Right? So they were sending their prayers up in the same, same apartment. And guess who was answering their prayers? Yes, 
Not a devil with a pitchfork. Not a devil with a pointed tail, but a devil who had disguised himself as an angel of light. Young people, I entreat you to be honest in your relationships with God and your parents. So that it doesn't end in heartache and brokenness. And the last area I want to talk about is integrity in every other relationship that we have. In every other relationship that's left for us. You know, I broke, I cracked out a windshield in my pickup truck. And I can still see through it, right? just a wood truck. Well, about a year and a half down the, the road, I wanted to sell that truck. And suddenly you look at everything differently now. You know, I want to get a little bit more money out of this thing, right? Before it was just a wood truck. Now I want to get every dollar out of it I can get. And that's okay. So I took it to get the windshield replaced. Took it in there and they said they'd be done with it in a few hours. I came back. It was all done. And I was getting ready to get the keys and walk out, and he says, here's your bill. My bill? I thought I had windshield coverage on my insurance. No, you don't have any coverage. I don't have any coverage? Things going to cost me $350? Let me call my agent. So I'm sitting there at this man's desk. He's the owner of the windshield company, and talking to my agent and I said, you know, I thought I had coverage. I, you know, I thought I had it on all my vehicles. And she reminded me, no, you took the coverage off, I don't know how many months ago. I had completely forgotten that. Well, the guy hears me talking. This is the windshield man. He hears me talking to, to my insurance agent. He says, it's okay, it's okay. We'll just backdate the invoice. Well, what? What does that mean? Let's just backdate the invoice. So I hung up with my insurance agent and I said, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. He said, I deal with Christians all the time. <laughs> I'm a Christian too, he said. That's why Christianity is not having a power to change lives in this world today. And I said to him, I'm not that kind of Christian. Well, that was encouraging. <laughs> and I'm sure more of you feel that way, I hope. <laughs> and so I told the man, no, I won't do that. I called my insurance agent back and I, and I told the lady, I said, you know, this man's wanting to do. And she said, when did you crack out the windshield? I said, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, just a wood truck and it's been a long time. She said, listen, forget about it. You've been a good customer. We'll cover it. But I didn't want to stop there. I said, but it's not really you that's covering it. It's the underwriter. I said, if you call the underwriter and they give you permission to do that because I'm a good customer... Then I'd feel better about that. She said, okay, give me five minutes. She called the underwriter. She called me back. She said, 
you know, they've looked over your history and you've been a very good customer. We want to take care of that for you. I said, praise the Lord. And I said it right in front of the guy who's a Christian who wanted to backdate my invoice and lead me into temptation. You know, a couple days later I was praying and I just thought, you know, did I take advantage of that situation? I said, Lord, I want to be, I don't want anything. Do you want anything to stand on your record when, when the judgment closes? Do you know that we're in that judgment right now? And none of us knows when it will come to the living. Is that right? Do we really believe that? You know, I've been on my knees saying, Lord, is there anything? Anything. Are you doing that? We're living in the antitypical day of atonement. Are you really being honest in your business transactions? Are you being honest in your transactions with those that you call friends? By the way, I got that cleared up. I called my insurance agent back and she said, don't give it another thought. We have handled it. I never have. <laughs> but I've had great, a great clear conscience about it. I don't want to take advantage of my fellow man. So, how about in our friendships? I want to speak just for a moment about Christian integrity in relationships. How do you feel when somebody talks behind your back? Has anybody here ever had someone talk behind your back and you found out about it? Okay. Let me ask it this way. Is there anyone here that's never had anybody talk behind your back? Okay. Just checking to make sure because there's only about 50% of the hands went up on the other one. How does it feel? Hurts, doesn't it? Depending, I mean, it can be a little thing, but it can be a big thing. If I told you all the things that have happened in this ministry and all the stories of things that I have supposedly done, that people have said I've done, I, I wouldn't even be up in front of you here if, if all the things I had done, I'd really done. But it's painful, isn't it? And I have lost friends. We have lost friends in this ministry because someone told them a story about us and they believed it. Friends that we've had for years. And you know, they never had the courtesy or the integrity to even call us on the phone and ask us if it was true. Does that hurt? I'm sure you've experienced it in relationships. You know, I have... Uh, um, a motto, if I, maybe that's not the right term, a position that I've taken on gossip. I despise gossip. Okay? It's destructive. It's one of the devices that the devil uses. And if somebody calls me or writes to me or talks to me in a private conversation and they begin to talk to me about you, this is what I tell them. If you're going to tell me that, then you have to understand that I'm going to go to my brother and I'm going to hear his side. Oh, if you're going to do that, I'm not even going to tell you because I don't want him to know that I said this. Right? Isn't that how gossip is? 
Now, if the person is really genuinely honest, would they care if I come and talk to you? If you're really committing adultery and they're concerned about you, well, they really should come and talk to you, right? But maybe they're afraid, okay? Matthew 18.15 says they ought to come and talk to you. But maybe they're afraid. So they're going to come and talk to me because they know I'm your friend and we can, we can talk about this and I can help you. If that's really genuinely in their heart and they're too timid to come and talk to you, they won't mind if I say, now just wait one minute. If you're telling me that he's involved in this, I'm going to be going to him and talking to him. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. Then we're okay. We can continue on. This is a restoring process. If they say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If you're going to tell him I said this, then I'm not going to tell you the story. Then I'm going to say to them, not only am I going to not listen to your story, but I'm going to give you a warning right now. If you carry this story to anybody else without going to my brother and finding out if it's true, you're going to face that in the judgment. What do you think about that? Is this too hard? We need to get serious, brothers and sisters, about the Christian life. There's too many relationships being destroyed because there's no Christian integrity in how we handle rumors and gossip. So I say to you today, if you hear something from somebody, if you really care about that person, you need to be a a vehicle for the Lord, a tool in His hand to either stop it because it's not true or to be a part of the solution and not a carrier of you report, we'll report it. You see, sometimes people come to me and they say things about my friends or people that are close to me and I say to them, I know this isn't true. I know them too well. I never give it another thought. But here's the rule that I have in my heart, in my head. If they come to me and what they say about you begins to make me look out of the corner of my eye at you, I need to come to you. Because it's going to affect the way I feel towards you. Do you think that's fair? If it's going to affect the way you feel towards your friend, your brother, your sister in the church, whatever it is, Christian integrity says that you be a part of the solution, not a part of the destruction in that relationship. Christian integrity in every transaction of life. Do you want to be honest with the Lord? Do you want to be transparent with the Lord? Does He already see us? Did He see Jonah down on the bottom of the ship? Did Jonah know that God saw him down on the bottom of the ship? You know, there's something that happens when we're not honest. You think that you're hiding. It's like a little child, you know? They think, if they're behind the curtain, if I can't see you, you can't see me. I didn't realize my feet were sticking out under the curtain. (laughs) You understand that when we get into the cycle of sin, it's a fatal cycle, and sometimes we don't see clearly anymore. God wants us to be transparent. Do you want to be transparent with God? Now there's one more question before I close. Are you willing to be transparent with God? A different question, isn't it? 
Because God wants you to be transparent. And God will give you the grace to go through whatever you need to go through to be a real living Christian. The devil wants to beat you up. Don't do that. Don't be honest with God. If, you, if you're honest with God, it'll make you give up everything that's fun in life. What a lie. I've never been happier. I've never been happier since I have become a fully surrendered, fully committed, fully dependent Christian in the Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, I'd like my family to come up. We're going to sing a song. It's taken from... Where is it taken from? Psalm 18. If you want to follow along, Psalm 18, what is it, 30 to 33? Anyway, we'll sing it for you. We haven't actually, we just got, Josiah just came over with us. We haven't practiced this song, and I like to put them on the spot sometimes. So we'll remember the verse at the end of the song, because it's put on the end of the song. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll turn off this mic, and maybe we'll put this one on, just so that I'm not blaring out here. <laughs> Thank you. Psalm eighteen, thirty to thirty-three. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler. To all those that trust in Him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength. And maketh my way perfect. It is God that girdeth me with strength. And maketh my way perfect. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock? Save our God. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. For who is God? Save the Lord. Or who is a rock? Save our God, our God. Psalm 18, verses 30 through 33. Shall we kneel together as we close? Oh, Father in heaven, you are God. You are a tender Father.
O Lord, I pray that each one of us today will be willing to open ourselves to you in true Christian integrity, that we will not listen to the lies of the devil, that we will not fear what is before us or what you call us to do, but that we will turn our eyes to what you've already done and what you've given us in the grace and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.